Welcome to the future of NFTs, brought to you by Adlunum, the first engaged to earn proof of attention IDO launchpad. Hosted by co-founder Natya Vester, we bring you exclusive insights on NFTs, the revolutionary digital technology that's transforming the world as we know it. So we are going to give it a few more minutes just for the room to fill up before we get going. But while we wait, let's look at some of the NFT waves to hit new stands this week. Unless you've been living under a rock, and I'm sure even if you do, you would have heard it there as well. Uh, Elon Musk has gone and done it with a little help from his Web3 friends, the likes of Binance. Twitter soon won't be the same. NFT tweet tiles first changed to be announced. An integration that is going to allow users to buy, sell, and display NFTs directly through tweets from four different NFT marketplaces. Magic Eden, Rarible, Dapper Labs, and Jump Trade. So let's see which major Web3-friendly announcement is up next for the social media giant we find ourselves on. And then, of course, the biggest NFT market news until it was dethroned by Musk's takeover Reddit has absolutely opened the floor gates for mass adoption of NFTs by not calling it NFTs, proving that the era of PFPs definitely not dead. Three Reddit collections hit the top 10 on OpenSea and the internet has just been buzzing about all of the millions of new wallets that have been opened up. And finally... Cardano is now the third largest NFT protocol by trading volume, trailing behind Ethereum and Solana. However, with none of the top 10 DAP radar ranked NFT markets listing Cardano NFTs, accessibility remains limited to the Cardano ecosystem. So very curious who in the audience owns a Cardano NFT and yeah, I would love to actually get someone on the show sometime to talk about uh, some of the other chains uh, that NFTs are appearing on, not only the ones that we are so intimately familiar with. All right. So I think with that, let's kick it off. Hey, Web3 World, this is Nacha Bessa from Adlunum, and you are listening to The Future of NFTs, the show that looks beyond current NFT use cases and dives into what non-fungible token technology is evolving into. All of this as seen through the eyes and built by the minds of the fascinating guest speakers we speak to each week. Adlunum, on whose show you are today, is the only IDEO launchpad that rewards attention with allocation. Our Engage to Earn platform, which will be ready as a testnet very, very soon, features dynamic NFT investor profiles, NFT allocation fractionalization, and our one-of-a-kind proof of attention allocation mechanism. And if this is your first time joining us here today, you can catch the Future of NFTs on Twitter Spaces live every Tuesday, also on your favorite podcast platform. And our sister show, Diving Into Crypto, is live at the same time every Thursday, same place as we are now. Please do join us for both shows because we speak to incredibly interesting and knowledgeable thought leaders and change makers in this game-changing industry. But speaking of and on to today's topic, you've heard of ICOs, IDOs, IPOs, IGOs, INOs. Web3 fundraising has a whole lot of I's and O's 
And with each new advancement in the technology, we add another variant to the mix. So if this is confusing, and yes, it is, you are not alone, then keeping up with the latest trends is almost a full-time job. But because we are committed to doing some of the heavy lifting on your behalf, our guest today is going to be unpacking how IGO's initial game offerings and INO's initial NFT offerings fit into the GameFi space. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show as I speak to Martinez Kashulis, the head of business development at GameStarter, a pioneering GameFi incubator, accelerator, and launchpad. Now, Martinez is a strategist, an advisor, and an investor in the Web3 intersection between NFTs, the metaverse, and gaming. And he is going to be lifting the hood for us today on how the Web3 and especially the GameFi industry is incorporating NFTs and INOs as well as IGOs to web 3 the huge, huge, massive gaming industry into the hundreds of billions of dollars. So how is Web3 getting a slice of that pie and really just evolving what gaming is all about? As always, you can either put in a speaker request or you can just DM your question to the Adlunum Twitter handle at Adlunum INC for our Q&A time at the end of the hour. So with that, Martinez, welcome to the show. So lovely to have you join us today. I want to start with the basics. First, where are you dialing in from? And second, tell us more about you and how did you get into Web3? Thank you for having me. So currently dialing in from cloudy Vilnius, Lithuania. And how did I start? Well, I started out as a passionate writer about crypto. It all started from putting it pen to paper, uh, then transitioning into becoming the CEO of a crypto news outlet called DailyCoin. And from then on, it kind of went wild. It spiraled out into being an advisor, providing marketing services for various projects. And then, uh, as it so happens, I found the ecosystem that I fell in love with, GameStarter, and basically been do- been running around doing everything I can to grow this beast that we have here ever since. Amazing. Your journey reminds me so much of my own because I also started out as a writer. I started out as a journalist in the Web3 space. And then from there, had I'd come from a marketing background previously. So I also you know, had the same trajectory of marketing and advisory and of course, I fell in love with the Adlunum ecosystem. Um, so it's interesting, you know, this pathway that people follow to come into Web3. I'm curious, what is it that attracts you to the space? And why are you committed to building your career and, you know, just giving voice to what's important to you in this industry instead of another one? Absolutely. This industry offers something which very few industries can offer. One is the access to passionate talent. And let me explain. In most industries, you have a lot of gatekeepers. If you want to get into finance, of course, you have to go to an Ivy League school. Uh, if you want into 
want to get into law, yeah, good luck with that. It'll be numerous years. Uh, same with medicine. Basically, if you want to do anything revolutionary in the traditional space, there are gatekeepers, there are institutions. Everything is there to keep things in line. There's a ceiling. In crypto, with decentralization, that's not so. People think of an idea, they jump in, and things happen here miraculously fast. And that is exciting. I have never met so many intelligent, passionate people in my life in such a short time span. Uh, but that's also why this uh, sphere is being taken advantage of. The same speed and passion is being abused by scammers and, well, rug pullers. But let's not get into that. Uh, the picture is, this is the space that will actually change the status quo. But of course, the status quo hits back and hits back hard. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, we are seeing this so frequently now as the industry continues to evolve. And we are seeing that exciting mass adoption, at least from the institutional level uh, that, you know, gives it that air of legitimacy. But at the same time, we are definitely seeing the pushback uh, at the same time. But I agree with you. I mean, this industry really seems to attract some of the most talented, intelligent, passionate, and really revolutionary in the good sense people uh, out there. So very, very happy to be part of it. But I'm curious, Game Starter, full-scale gaming ecosystem for IGOs and INOs. As a company, you said that you fell in love with the ecosystem. What is your philosophy and your approach to GameFi and why GameFi? Why Web3? What is it about the opportunities in this industry that GameStarter feels that you can really make inroads in the gaming space? So it all started for the love of great games, great experiences, storytelling. You myself, I've been an avid player and fan of from the Warcraft days, Starcraft, basically Blizzard products, but numerous other games as well. But the problems arose that although I spent numerous hours, too many hours, if you ask uh, my family, playing games, I never had any real say in the game. Number two, all of the hours I put in, uh, it was all to my enjoyment, but no ownership. There was no way for me to take that experience and have something to show for it unless I wanted to be an esports gamer and unfortunately <laughs> I just don't have the amount of hours I used to to do to pursue that so this love for gaming but also the want to create something which has longevity such a, something which could be shared led us to create game starter essentially game starter started with a very simple idea gaming first blockchain second you still have to capture the magic you have to create that experience that will make people come in day in and day out but now leveraging blockchain leveraging igos and inos we want you to actually have a piece of the pie it's no longer about the publisher it's about you the player having power having ownership of your assets now, that is so powerful that I could not help myself but join in. And uh, as far as that goes, it's a space which has almost limitless possibilities for NFT deployment, both for uh, 
tracking social impact, both for tracking in-game impact. It's quite uh, amazing opportunity to empower the player. So I I could go on and on, ramble on and on, but uh, maybe you'll have some more focused questions on that, what interests you. Yeah, I absolutely love what you said about capturing the magic of games first and, you know, gaming first, game five second, because I think there's so many companies out there and projects out there who are jumping on the Web3 bandwagon without really having this passion for what it is they are doing. And as the industry matures, for certain, those kind of projects are being weeded out and the ones that will remain standing, especially in a bear market like we are, are the ones who put first things first. So what you, I think your philosophy already kind of answers my next question, but let me give you the opportunity to expand on that. What is your, what is unique uh, about your approach to IGOs and INOs at GameStarter? So whenever we welcome a project, for example, to list with us or to be incubated by us, we tell them the truth, which is, we started our own gaming studio. We're creating free games of our own. The fourth one will be announced very soon. A sneak peek might be provided today. Uh, essentially, what we, are, what we are is gaming experts. We have developers who know what it takes to make a great game. And you cannot pull the wool on us like you would to a VC. Basically, our unique selling point to our community members is... We know these games inside and out, and we know what promises you can keep and actually achieve with your team. So this added level of expertise, coupled with our security options, basically we ensure uh, the prices. We basically make sure that if you don't reach a certain price point or you fall below IGO price, we will reimburse you. We make sure that the process is always transparent and we make sure to help these projects tell their story the right way without lying. So we have our own marketing agency in-house, which helps these projects tell the truth and make sure that they can tell it in a compelling way. So anything that comes through us is done in a way that represents both the project and the end user who will be participating in the IGO or INO to the best of our ability. I can certainly tell why you decided that this is the ecosystem for you, but because for sure this kind of ethos is so important in this industry as we move away. I mean, I, I loved what you said earlier about the speed and the passion of the space is what gets the right people in, but unfortunately it also is what gets the wrong people in. And I think that the ethos of a project going forward is going to become increasingly important because we all... I mean, with AI advancing now to the stage where you can't even really tell what's real and what's artificial anymore, how much more so when people are putting in so much money into a project and only to, unfortunately, have a rug pull, pulled over their eyes. And so I think as launchpads, and I just realized as you were speaking, this is the first time that we are having another launchpad on the show. So it's really cool. It's like a meta experience. Um, but I think especially as a launchpad, it's so important that, as you say, you need to understand what is being brought to your door. 
So VCs very often get very excited about the possibilities of a project. And it doesn't really matter what the project is building or not building. And a lot of times projects are not even really building something. You know, they are just fundraising. Um, and then we never see the light of day of what it is that they are fundraising for. So I think being in the position of being developers, being marketers, having this really strong business background in different areas for sure puts you in a different league than projects out there who are only there when this, when that, you know, let's moon together. So yeah, absolutely well done for the way you are going about it. Uh, but I wanted to touch on a question uh, that you that you kind of mentioned earlier. Um, before this advent of crypto winter that we are all suffering through at the moment, GameFi was one of the most hottest up and coming trends. And there was a lot of big VC sums flowing into fundraising. And I mean, I find it quite interesting that even though the down market this year has been ongoing, I think a lot of funds are even continuing to be put into GameFi. But money being one thing, users, it's a different story altogether. So far, adoption of Web3 games is fledgling at best. Why, especially as a company that is so focused on the experience of gaming as opposed to the hype of it, why do you think it's so difficult for Web3 games to get the kind of traction that the existing gaming industry enjoys? Well, it's, it goes down to the very heart of it. To create a game, even a shitty one, pardon my French, you will need at least two to three years of painstaking work. That is not the average time span for a web-free project. Usually, uh, you can imagine crypto as a bunch of mayflies. It's a very short time span. You give a good pump, and then it's a good dump. Unfortunately, what we have now is when the VCs come in, you already have built-in selling pressure. They already know what they're going to make from the project the moment they invest, and they'll make sure to get a return on their investment because that's their only job. Do not kid yourselves. VCs are here to do one thing and one thing only, make their investors even richer. So because of this built-in sell pressure, projects have to be very quick. They create games which have very elaborate tokenomics, which pump the token. And if you make any single mistake in building your economic model, it will completely ruin your game. So why can't games retain audiences? Look at Axie Infinity. It was at a star for a short period of time. And then because of shoddy uh, tokenomics, it was essentially busted. Of course, a couple of hacks didn't help, but uh, it's a very hard industry. It's an emerging industry. And to retain an audience, you first have to create an experience. Till now, there is no experience that I would rather have in Web 3 than in Web 2. It will change with Dark Frontiers coming out, with Star Atlas coming out, with other games coming out. We might see Web 3 games rivaling Web 2 experiences. But until we get a real gaming experience, don't expect the gamers to be here. And one other point as a marketer, I have to say the crypto audience is not the gaming audience. The people who buy the bags 
are not necessarily the people that will sit in and play these games. So until we get a good, healthy mix, we will only see a lot of funds coming in, but we might not see users remaining to see what actually happens with that money spent. Yeah, those are all excellent and so accurate points. Um, yeah, just it takes time. I think that's the that's the key here. Is this is a very young industry, and it's extremely exciting to see all of these changes taking place on a daily basis. But there are certain best practices in other industries that you know need to be followed. For example, as you said, actually developing the game before people will play the game. Uh, that you know, as we go along. It will mature, but patience, I think, is of the essence here. But one of the most exciting things in Web3 is really experiencing this joining together of different technologies and innovations, which is one of the reasons why it's so exciting to be here, even at this time when, you know, the adoption is not yet there. So NFTs, of course, have been used with great success in the GameFi space. What are some of the best practices that you've seen GameFi projects use or employ rather using NFTs? So whether this is in your time as a marketer or more recently your experience with GameStarter, what are some of the tactics that GameFi projects do or employ NFTs for that might set them apart from the pack? NFTs are definitely a crucial part of the web-free experience, especially for games. So the best experiences are as follows. Use them as community badges. So League of Legends made bank on just selling cosmetics. And these cosmetics don't really travel with the user. Now, with NFTs, you can actually have your cosmetics travel with you. Number two, NFTs can be used as multipliers. Let me explain. If you, for example, have a Dark Frontier suit and you get in early, we would give you the opportunity to make certain materials before anybody else. So it gives you an advantage. However, we counteract that with that being a very limited part of the game, meaning that it's not play to win. So NFTs can be used to modify the game experience and also make it more aesthetic. Another great uh, NFT use case is proof of participation. We're going to release a project very soon that if you cheat on that project, we will burn your NFT and anything associated with it. See that we have another speaker in the house. So, Tima, do you mind unmuting yourself and introducing so we can re-get this show on the road? <laughs> Certainly, absolutely. And thank you for your patience. Martinez is also having some connection issues. So I'm going to be jumping in as another lead from GameStarter. Ugh, uh, business background for probably about 23 years now. Um, everything from Web 2 to um, now being in Web 3, marketing background. Uh, business administrative background. Um, also, uh, a, I have a doctorate in um, Chinese medicine. I do kind of a bunch of stuff. Um, and so Web3 was a very natural fit of me, for me as well. Um, grew up a gamer. Um, absolutely love the, the industry. But as Martinez mentioned, it was always kind of out of reach. Um, there's a lot of gatekeeping in general. 
So I think Web3 obviously brings in a lot of opportunities for uh, various professionals to really shine and, you know, uh, broaden their horizons. So that's definitely one of the things I love about the space for sure. And thank you for having us. I have to say that you are probably the first person in Web3 that also has a background in Chinese medicine. So I just wanted to highlight that. That is a first for me. Um, so yeah, absolutely awesome, the diversity of people in the space. It never ceases to amaze me. You don't know who you are going to meet next because everyone is just, it's just, it takes, you know, there's this, I'm in Africa right now and there's this uh, saying in Africa, it takes a village to raise a child. And in the same sense in Web3, it really takes an entire world to build out this industry because we need people from all sorts of backgrounds. And every single person coming into the space brings a whole lifetime of experience and exposure. And together we are building out something new. So for me, that's just incredibly, incredibly interesting and exciting. And yeah, as always, I'm super happy to be here talking to you guys. Um, so if I'm going to continue along the same kind of line of, uh, of uh, conversation that we had earlier, um, I'm not sure if this is something you would like to continue, but the last thing that he left off before of saying before, um, yeah, the Twitter gods or the Twitter devils had their way with us. I really hope that Elon is going to have this on his list of priorities to fix Twitter spaces. Um, he was mentioning a proof of participation project. Um, if you want to continue talking about that a little bit. Um, sure. So, Really, the, the concept is with um, not the specific project, but with NFTs is that you have a lot of these accesses that um, you didn't necessarily have before. And having that accountability within the project, um, you know, whether it be one of our in-house projects or something else that's out there that, you know, we've seen that's of quality, um, that proof of, you know, ownership provides utility and it provides access, provides benefits if you you know the right community is there and that's really a big factor in it right it's not necessarily just the game it's the community that's involved in it and it's not just that it's what they're developing and it's not just that it's about who's backing it you know and so it's really a very big global picture of each project um, and nfts are a crucial part of it and you know just looking at what reddit did recently it just shows you the power of of NFTs, whether you're presenting them as quote unquote NFTs or digital assets, they're super powerful and people will get behind them, whether it's from a collectible standpoint um, or, you know, really what we're shifting, seeing the shift to is the utility aspect, and which is absolutely necessary. Yeah, I think this is such an important point that you touched on. If we look at the Reddit example and the really fascinating thing that they didn't call it NFTs, and yet it probably was one of one of the most successful NFT sales out there. Um, it really brings to the fore this idea that the technology underlying NFTs and the ideas that are the foundation of NFTs, those are really the future. Not the fact that we are calling them NFTs and not the fact that there's this hype about it. So I'm wondering... Going forward, especially because now we are seeing this evolution, we are seeing this gradual maturation of the NFT market, what role do you think NFTs will play in the GameFi space in future? We have what we are seeing now, but what might it evolve into? Well, ideally, it becomes 
something that can be passed on. So one of the things that Martinez was mentioning, like World of Warcraft, right? So think about people who created an account. World of Warcraft is nearing 20 years old. Think about people who created their account 15 years ago, 10 years ago. The game is still around. And obviously not every game is going to last like that, but hopefully a, a, an ecosystem will, which will allow you to take an asset like an NFT, whether it be a part of that in-house kind of like a proof of purchase type of NFT that can hopefully then be moved into various type of games where it could be more about interoperability and you could take one asset and move it from different places, develop that asset further, and then have resale value on it, right? So taking a character that's been through a bunch of stuff, has gained a ton of experience, maybe earn something that's unique, could then be kept as like a collectible and have ownership that way because of what it's accomplished of the different rankings that, you know, each individual finds valuable or it could be resold on a marketplace, which then kind of passes that asset along to somebody else. And you get something back for the time you've spent developing that asset. Um, That's one way it could change. And, but I really think that it's going to evolve into so much more than that. And it's going to become part of our everyday life where it's going to be like a digital receipt in in a lot of ways where it's, you know, a verification, it's access, it's going to be a digital, you know, tool that, in my opinion, that's going to get us kind of through everything, you know, whether it be we have easy pass in the States or whatever it is, it's going to be some sort of a tool that's attached to everything that we do. And it's just going to be, you know, a our phones are getting wiser with data as you know, we've noticed that Ethereum is going to be shifting to doing their mining on, on phones. Right. So it's, it's going to be a huge, huge, huge part of our everyday life without a doubt. Yeah. Exciting times up ahead. But as I said in my introduction, not sure if you were around then, the question for me really is there is so much uncertainty in terms of, what all of these different fundraising mechanisms are. So we came from the era of ICOs, wild west of crypto, like we've never seen it before. Market matured, IPOs, IDOs, and now more recently we have IGOs and uh, INOs. So I would like to know what for the layman out there who, you know, and, and I mean, I think this includes so many of us in the industry who constantly are hearing all of these terms being used, but are not always 100% sure exactly what it is. What is the potential of INOs? How does it differ from an IGO? And what do you think makes or breaks a successful INO in the space? Sure, it's a great question. So INO would be an initial node offering or an initial NFT offering, some people say. Uh, So that's what you would see as the jpeg with an accompanied smart contract so within that contract you'll have a set of clause now that compared to an igo a game offering is most often based on like a a native coin like let's say for game starter we vet all of our projects so anything that's launching on game starter is heavily vetted we see a ton of projects that come in, we reject a ton of projects, and we have no problem waiting till something of quality comes along and then we present it to our members. That's number one for us. So that's the first step within our community. But when it comes to, as a layperson approaching crypto, first thing and foremost is please, please, please be aware and be cautious. Like this is not the space where um, 
you can easily kind of trust people. I know it kind of, it, it, it takes us back to the Renaissance era in snake oil almost, where it's a ton of promises of stuff that might happen, but it doesn't necessarily happen, right? And the loudest one on the podium gets the most attention, right? It, it becomes a bit of that. So stepping away from, you know, heavily being cautious about your followers that you're following and the projects that you're entering is, is finding a credible and a valuable like launch pad in this type of situation, like a resource that you can go to that's going to vet the stuff that's going to be on your plate. Now, when you go, it's like a fine dining experience, right? You know, you're going to get there. You're going to get something a little bit more tasteful that you'll actually enjoy. And, you know, you'll feel more comfortable eating there. It's, it's the whole package. And that's the approach where our members are, who have access to it, they can take part in one of these vetted projects that we presented, where if they're an IGO and there's, you know, they are part of the game starter community with our new process, they will be either a, a game holder, meaning you have hold of our native tokens and based on the amount you hold and the more amount you hold, you have access to more allocation. That allocation means you can purchase native token. For example, um, a native token can be purchased at five cents, ten cents. Let's say it doesn't, you know, eight cents per coin. And then normally, by the time it lists, it could easily two x. You know, in the bull markets, it's you know forty six x. Our least recent one was seventeen x. And that's one place where investors can come in, or early game adopters can come in and say, "Hey, listen, I think this game looks great." I'd love to, you know, throw a couple hundred bucks at it or 50 bucks at it, whatever it is, whatever I can allocate towards it. And then I'll join this community in an early time at an earlier price, which will allow me as the community build as more investors come in, the token kind of builds up in value, right? That's the idea. Um, it doesn't always happen for obvious reasons, whether the community fails, um, the game fails, the token has poor VCs behind it. So this is why it's important for us to do the vetting beforehand. So we kind of take a look at all that stuff. And that's why on top of it, we add in an insurance policy that if we miss something and it doesn't go the way it goes, we refund you, right? So that's huge. When it comes to note offerings, that's more about like buying in-game assets, whether it be a, a land, whether, you know, uh, for example, Dark Frontiers has land that uh, was sold and each land in game yields you tokens. So as the game is released, more people go on that land and they mine and use resources from that land. You as a landowner get kickback in a sense. Um, That's one type of NFT. And another type of NFTs could be completely utility-based, right? So uh, for example, BSU News recently launched uh, an NFT that, you know, we're a fan of obviously BSC. And so, we help kind of invite them to our Twitter space, talk about their, you know, utility of their NFT. So like, for example, with their type of NFTs, you'll have um, access to different types of things on their platform, some discounts. Um, and then we also have some collaborative efforts that we do like cross marketing and things of that nature for any type of projects. So there's a lot of different things that utility can give you the type of NFTs can give you. It's really, it's limited by your imagination. And that's the beauty of the space that you can put into a contract what makes the most sense and then use that within your community, verify that with your community, whether it be voting rights on how the game should be, whether it be, um, you know, the every time something is sold, there's a kickback that goes back to the community. There's so many things that can be implemented into it that it gives a lot of uh, freedom and it, it can give a lot of power to the people. Back to the people. Thank you. 
Franklin games. Um, and then once again, if that community develops further, it can help you increase the value of that asset. So um, another way to look at NFTs is um, early investing. Right. So if you find a company that you believe in, you can be, in a sense, part of their fundraising and purchase those NFTs. And that becomes part of their fundraising that they implement, you know, accordingly based on their tokenomics. That's really where we would like to So as once again, to go back to your question, coming in as a layperson, always be cautious, find a credible source, use that credible source and go to a place that's going to give you um things that have been rated, reviewed, peer-reviewed, that type of approach where it's not just somebody shouting out about something. Do your own due diligence. Take a look at the project yourself. Does it make sense to you? Do you like it? Do you want to play it? Do you not want to play it? Um, do you just want to be an investor? That's fine. There's no wrong way of doing it. It's really defining what you want to do. Um, and then once again, with GameStarter, you could do it in two different ways. You could be a game holder, or you don't have to be a game holder, and you just come participate. And when you participate, the the caveat is that 10% of the tokens that would, you know, out of the 100% you allocate, 10% of them are going to get burned. They're going to be converted into game coin, and they're going to be burned. That's part of our tokenomics to increase the value of our token. So... You know, and the token gets value in many different ways. And one of the best ways is obviously burning, right? Burn the supply, up the value, like a very straightforward. And so creating different mechanics to help create you know, sustain economy and uh, using it as a powerful tool for voting. There's a lot of benefits to both. NFTs give you one type of voting right. Tokens give you a different type of voting right. Some communities have both. Some communities have just one. Um, it, it really just depends what you engage with and what you find within the space that speaks to you. Oh, perfect. Very, very comprehensive answer. Thank you so much. Um, there were two things that came to mind for me. The first was there's this line that you said that made me realize this needs to be on a t-shirt that NFT utility is limited only by your imagination. So yeah, whoever wants to run to the printers first, go ahead. And second, I love your analogy about launch pads being this fine dining experience. This might be because I'm quite hungry right now, but I often say that um, launch pads are like mangroves, you know, protecting small little fledgling sea creatures before they go out into the open sea and all the sharks can get at them. But really, it is so important and so true that the experience that you have with a launch pad, and I love, this is why I love this analogy of the fine dining experience, because the difference between going to a restaurant or even just, you know, a takeaway corner store somewhere, and it's all just about mass feeding and you're in, you're out and most of the thinking behind it is really just, you know, limited to the cost, <laughs> the, the cost and the convenience and the speed. And then if you do have a fine dining experience, every single thing has been thought through and every aspect has been covered. And I think really, you know, just to add on to what you're saying, it's so important for investors, especially, I mean, we have seen so many unfortunate incidents happen over the years with investors losing money and especially retail investors. I had this conversation with someone a while ago that really just shocked me to my core. This guy has been a crypto investor since, 
I think 2014. So it's been a really, really long time. And he said to me, you know, I have no idea what's going on. I don't work in this industry. I don't have endless amounts of time to do my research. And yet I know more than the average investor, but I have no freaking clue what's going on. And it's really, really so important for an investor to protect themselves. And definitely, I'm not saying this because we are also a launchpad, but for sure, having projects and having organizations and companies out there that look after your best interests so that you don't get scammed and get rug pulled, extremely important. But I want to shift gears a little bit, not so much GameFi specific, but more just the industry in general. I think that you already touched on this so, so thoroughly in terms of this wide expanse of opportunities and possibilities that are out there. But what do you think is the future of NFTs? And this can be, I mean, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, two years from now, six months from now. What do you see the NFT industry and beyond that, the technology evolving into? Because I think you said at some point, there will come a time when really this is just going to be our everyday lives. So what do you envision the future look like? Look, what do you envision the future might look like for NFTs? Absolutely. So, um, as I mentioned, the the my belief and wholehearted belief is that NFTs are going to be a, a, a even at the simplest form a digital receipt. So, whether it be going to a concert, whether it be going to a stadium, whatever you're doing, you're going to have this thing that's just emailed to you or it built into your kind of like online wallet. And your online wallet is going to be, you know, like a 2FA type of approach where you, you'll you make sure that it's secure and it's going to be as secure as possible because, that, you know, definitely within a decade, we're going to be in a place where there's going to be a little bit more stability around this space um, and hopefully a little bit more security because that's one of the biggest threats is hacking, right? Like that's really one of the biggest threats. So that aside, uh, with NFT use case, it's going to be, once again, a digital asset that's going to be a proof of receipt at the very least with every single thing you do. And it's going to be something that you could, uh, let's say, buy a warranty for your car. Well, it's in a form of an NFT. You're selling your car. You can sell it with the NFT as part of it, right? So there's going to be a lot, Once this is my opinion, but there's going to be a lot more shift towards that type of uh, digital asset, Um Everything that we're going to be in our pockets, our smartphones are going to be able to handle the data much more. So we're going to be able to do um, much more with it. So, for example, we have a project that we're incubating. Um, This is OutGrid. OutGrid is kind of like a social media platform, but it's much more than that. This is a project that is focused on creating a verified encrypted community. So when you enter a space with your quote unquote NFT or whatever digital asset you own, you're in a community that is completely secure to you. It's not like Discord where you have like uh, a ton of people just constantly trying to bombard you with fake stuff. It'll be much more easy to see to like, hey, this is an NFT holder. This is not an NFT holder. Um, And then you'll know like a community could do airdrops directly through uh, that space where it's just once again, you're not going to get bombarded with a bunch of fake links that are trying to take away your you know, members or somebody's minting a day early and they're trying to, you know, it becomes a whole huge cascade right now. And that's why I say, please, you know, travel with caution because there's people that are constantly going to try to derail you in this, in this industry, unfortunately, right now. So we're definitely working closely with projects to make sure that going forward into five, 10 years from now, 
there are things put into place that keep the um, community safe and accountable to not only like their own members, but backwards, right? So like members can stay accountable in what they're trying to do with the community, whether it's promoting their outreach or whether they're trying to help the the NFTs and they're trying to help as a DAO process or, um, you know, voting rights on different types of aspects. It it gives the power back to the people. And that's a big shift also within Web3, right? It's not only like game first, blockchain second type of approach where gamifying things is really important to make sure it's of quality, but it's also giving the power to people to find the games they like, to choose the games they like, to help develop the games they like, um, you know, whether it be through our game itself or anyone we partner with, we always try to, you know, express that DAO aspect of it. Yeah, brilliant. I think all of us are looking forward to that day where we don't even have to explain anymore that giving back you know, giving power back to the people and giving to people is something that we do. I really look forward to the day when that is just an everyday occurrence and the outliers will be companies who don't do that. So that's for sure one thing to look forward to. So I'm extremely mindful of time. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, go for it. Go for it. The only one little thing I wanted to add about the, um, the IGO kind of gamifying space and the NFT space is that you know, being in the States, we're not necessarily are going to be drawn by a such, you know, a plane to earn thing that where uh, maybe we're only getting, you know, $10 for spending a couple hours of our time of, of playing a game, right? Where, But if we step out of that, right, if we step out of our immediate needs and we look at the global scale, there are so many people in so many countries that can benefit from that $10 a day where or $20 a day where that sometimes their whole entire you know day job and they're like oh wait I could stay home with my family and play video games for a couple of hours and have what I would normally make please sign me up right so there's a ton of benefit just from you know the rewards aspect for gamers let alone what the possibilities are going to be there in the future and so let thank you for letting me uh, express that Yeah, I think that is a very important point to add, um, and which leads me to my final question. I wanted to say, because I'm so mindful of time, we don't have time for questions today. So audience, I see that some of you have submitted some. I'm so sorry that we won't be able to get to them. I would like to request that you instead send your your questions to the Twitter team and ask them to please fix Twitter spaces so we don't get our time on the show stolen from us. Um, But Timo, last question. What is your, and I think you've touched on this, what is your philosophy about Web3 changing lives? It's a double-edged sword, just like anything that's new. There's a lot of innovation and there's a lot of things that are kind of still being missed. So it's going to take some time to find that find balance to create enough security around it, to create enough stability around it where people aren't getting hurt or uh, being coerced in different situations. But the truth of the matter is that will never kind of go away, right? We still have those email scams of, hey, send me money, I'm in jail, right? Like that still happens. Or, you know, working in a a corporation, you have people that try to steal your identity and um, message other corporate people and say, hey, I'm on vacation, send me money. Like it's pretty bad what's out there. So hopefully, once again, that gets cleaner and that's 
in Web 2 or Web 3. So hopefully Web 3 will allow us to have more security and more stability where we can try to say, okay, well, this is a verified person within a community that I trust. It's not some random person off the streets that you know might not have my best interest at heart. So I think Web 3 is going to help create that bridge of putting like-minded equality people together, hopefully creating something safe, sustainable, and secure for people to enjoy that's going to continue to build out our, you know, interconnection globally and help unite people more so than ever before and allowing us to accomplish things so much faster, whether it be communication or payment. So I found another line for the t-shirt brand. I'm going to start after this conversation. Real recognizes real. So on that note, thank you so, so much, Timo and Martinas and uh, the Game Starter team for sharing all of your insights with us today. Um, Unfortunately, we've come to the end, but uh, yeah, just this backstage look at wrapping our head around IGOs, INOs, how NFTs are playing a role in the future of GameFi has been so incredibly fascinating. Uh, If the audience wants to stay up to date with what GameStarter is doing, where should they follow you? Sure. Um, game starter, add game starter if you want to pin it to the top, or I can try to pin it to the top. Add game starter, or they could just follow me directly. There's the web, web link on my account as well. Um, and then I obviously am retweeting all sorts of game starter stuff, so you'll definitely find it on my page as well. And definitely follow us for stay up to date. That's without a doubt. We are constantly bringing you more and more new stuff. Our website is getting redone right now. Um, like I just said, we're having a new way of that we're doing. Uh, we had a lottery before where it was uh, a different tier type of system. Um, we had whitelists before, so we're eliminating a lot of that kind of stuff because we want to focus on like a cleaner, smoother uh, purchase, like I said, the fine dining experience, right? Like, so when you get on, it should be a very smooth, clean process. And so we're really focusing on delivering that for our members and, you know, bringing quality games. We have a couple of games that are coming up. I can't really, I, we have some, I have some NDAs, so I can't really disclose those yet. Uh, but very soon we have a lot of exciting stuff coming. So definitely stay in touch. Uh, uh, Dark Frontiers just did their update last Friday. Uh, I think that was update number eight. Really looking amazing. Dark Frontiers is one of the games that's uh, a GS original. It's incubated through us. It's done everything through us. So it's uh, it looks amazing. It's you're in um, space. You're landed on the moon, and you're looking for survival. You're fighting aliens. Um, definitely an awesome project to check out as well. So definitely stay uh, at least follow me, and you'll see a lot of it. Follow Martinez. He's got a lot of this kind of stuff on his as well. He's uh, big on strategy. Big on. Um, the space and what's going on with it so he's always sharing his wisdom um, and it's definitely appreciated well awesome i certainly am looking forward to seeing what seeing what the game five fine dining experience is like so i'll definitely make a stop as well and to our listeners at home at work in the car in the train in the plane thank you so much for tuning into the show today despite all of the Twitter Spaces issues that, you know, are happening so frequently that I'm almost expecting it now, which is really sad. So definitely looking forward to the bird being freed and not in the ways that people usually talk about. I am referring specifically to having a one-hour show without any glitches. So on that note, catch you again next week, guys, for another episode of The Future of NFTs brought to you by Adlunum. Cheers. Timo, have a great day. Lovely to speak to you. Catch up with you soon. 
You've been listening to the future of NFTs. Subscribe to this podcast on your favorite streaming platform like Spotify or iTunes. Connect with AdLunum on Twitter at AdLunum Inc. or our website, adlunum.cc.